0: must be a big party today. Would you bring me? It's a belated birthday. Belated birthday. Okay, just a couple of quick announcements. Sister Lynette will not be here this Wednesday. She'll be here the last Wednesday of March. Her father had a heart attack, oh uh, no, like uh, about 10 days ago. He left the hospital yesterday, so. She just felt it was in her best interest to to postpone So On the 22nd, Pastor Jamie from Cooper City will be here. And then on the 29th, Sister Lynette. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all know my wife? We all do. She's a hard-headed woman. She's been. She's she's been after me to retire since I turned 70. And uh, we have decided to make that decision. September 5th, 17th is Sunday. We're going to be celebrating 15 years as a church. And it will be my last Sunday as your lead pastor. So the season has come to an end. She's been after me to do this, Absolutely. so we're doing that. Years ago, Brother Goodman came into the church. And we felt he'd be a good one to turn the church over to We wanted to wait until he got his fiance here, got married, got settled down. But the uh, United States Department of Immigration seems to have other plans. Mm-hmm. So we've decided to go ahead. So September 17th will be our last day. It's been an honor. Pastor, you guys, some of you have been with me since before we were at church. We were out raising money and going into people's houses and talking about it and everything else. So I appreciate it all and I love you all. So thank you and God bless you. We love you too. Today we're going to talk about a servant's heart, a true servant's heart. Jesus said in Mark 10 and 45 he says for even the son of man Okay. so Jesus said for the son of man did not come to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many every one of us in this room has been called of God I know a lot of you think that it's only pastors or evangelists or maybe even teachers but every one of us has a calling on our life every one of us has something we need to be accounted for and work for the kingdom the first call we had on our life was we were called to salvation through jesus christ the second thing is we are called to be sanctified which means to be set apart to be made holy to be made different and that is a process Unless you talk to some old-time Church of God people, and they'll tell you, I'm saved, sanctified, washed in the blood, and it's over. They're they're ready for heaven right then and there. Pure as the driven snow. But sanctification, the process starts the minute you surrender your life to Christ. And he has already called you and he has set you apart. The third thing we're called to do is serve. Serve in the kingdom of God. Paul writes in Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your call. He's telling you, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your call. For you have been called by God. It's not your neighbor that called you. It's not your friend that texts you. It was God that said, I call you. You remember the old posters for the draft board? Well, some of you may not. There used to be a picture of Uncle Sam. He used to say, I call you. (laughs) Well, that's what God said. I want you. I call you. I set you apart. I mean, here's Paul in prison. He's in prison for serving the Lord not in prison for stealing something or beating somebody up or shooting somebody or anything else. He's in prison because he served the Lord. How many of us today are willing to go to jail for Jesus? I mean, we could go out there on the corner and the government could say, if you're out there preaching Jesus, we're going to throw you in jail and come along and take you away. Yet. The only thing on Paul's mind, as he wrote this letter in Ephesians was, I'm in jail for this, I'm in prison for this. But you have a calling, and you need to answer that calling. You need to take care of it. Amen. You are called to serve. And if you're not serving, you should start serving. There's a lot of things people can do, not only in churches, in your job, at home, whatever. Just get a servant's heart. Develop that. Paul's not just talking about that. He's he's talking about serving in your everyday life. And we serve for the glory of God. I serve for the glory of God. Never for the glory of man. I mean, it's nice to have them say, "Hey, good job," and nice, nice this, nice that, but that's not the answer. I want to hear when I go to heaven, "Good job." I want hear God say good job. So we need to serve. And serve we do. We need to, you know, if you're serving for the accolades of man, you're going to be brought down by the criticisms of man. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to please the boss because, hey, a raise could be just around the corner. You know, that means something good. Oh, let me just please him. But if you're working hard, if you're doing what you need to be doing, and you're doing it for the kingdom of God, you're going to bring God glory. So we know we have to serve the lord with all our hearts like i said not just to satisfy a boss not just to satisfy a co-worker i mean i love doing what i'm doing and i love you guys but the primary purpose of being up here is to please the lord and do what he's called me to do the secondary effect is pouring out God's word on this body. So today we're going to take a look at somebody in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles or whatever, chapter 24 of Genesis, and we're going to spend a lot of time there. We're going to find a woman named Rebecca, And Rebecca has a true servant's heart. Abraham, Abraham's 140 years old. His son, Isaac, if you remember the scriptures, he was told he'd have a son when he was 100. Well, That makes Isaac 40. And it says in the scriptures that Isaac has never known a woman. So one day, Abraham says to his oldest servant, Eliezer, he says to him, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Now if you remember scripture, you remember that Abraham was told to leave his homeland. to Pick up everything and go. Leave your father's house, he said, and go. Go to the land I'm going to show you. Go to the land of milk and honey. I'm going to make you a great nation. God tells him all of this. But Abraham doesn't want his son to marry a Canaanite woman. He said they worship false gods does he mean? So maybe they worship money. Maybe they worship jewelry. Who knows what they worship. And he says they worship false gods. He wants his son to marry a woman that worships the god Jehovah. So he tells his servant go back to my homeland. This is a 450 mile journey. Back to that homeland. And find a wife for my son Isaac. Uh, 450 miles. Now, a lot of you could get in your car and drive 450 miles in, what, five hours, maybe six? <laughs> if you're riding with me, maybe four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to take LEIs about a month to make this journey. So what's it say he does? Verse 10, he says, Then he loaded up 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts. And he traveled to the distant Aram Naham. And he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor lived and his son. He loaded up 10 camels with very expensive gifts. I mean, whoever this woman is. This Rebecca, which he hasn't met yet. And her family, they're going to get really blessed. Because he took the very expensive gifts that his master owned. I mean, do you understand that waiting on the Lord sometimes? What he has planned for you? The blessings are just going to pour out. But we tend in in this Western culture, be very, very eager and try to put our own twist on things and hurry things along, make things go faster than they really should. You know, today, like spouse, you want a spouse to just get on the internet and look, oh, he looks good, Shh. and press a little button. But Abraham wanted his son to know the woman That love the God, Jehovah. So when he gets this journey, and the journey's over, it says he made the camels kneel beside the well that was just outside of town. It was evening, and he said the women were coming out to draw water. He figured this is a very good place to sit because, hey, Women are gonna come there, they come twice a day. They come in the morning and draw water, they come in the evening and draw water. I'm sitting here, I got my camels parked here. I can watch them parade in, I can check them out. I mean, this is what's going on in his mind. I can check these girls out. I can see, I can look at all the prospects for Isaac. But as the time approaches, and that, as that hour comes, because there are customs, so you pretty much know what time things are going. So once you do, he starts to pray. And he says, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success today. And show me unfailing love to my master. He gets pretty specific. In the next verse, he starts standing there and he says, see, I'm standing here beside the spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. water. Then he lays it right on the line to God and he says, this is my request. I will ask one of them to please give me a drink from your jug, and if she says yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love of my master. Now it's customary if you're a stranger in a place and you ask somebody for a drink, they give you a drink of water. That's custom throughout Israel. That's the custom in the nation. (laughs) But watering 10 camels is going above and beyond. It's going above and beyond. I mean, these are 10 camels that are thirsty. They just completed a 450 mile journey. So I looked up on the internet and found out a camel can drink anywhere from 20 to 50 gallons of water at one time. Do you think drinking, you know, God tells you drink so many cups of water every day. They're drinking 20 to 50 gallons of water. Wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So Eliezer is not just praying for any woman. He's praying for a very extraordinary woman. One with a true servant's heart. And as we look, as we go through, it says, and before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebekah coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. And she was the daughter of Bethol, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife, Melah. Rebecca was very beautiful, now, Who knows, that doesn't hurt. I mean, Isaac's gonna be pretty happy. He gets, a, he gets a really pretty wife. You know, the little fox comes into the house. And, uh, he's gonna be happy. And it says she was old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. And she went down to the spring, and she filled her jug up, and she came again. And running over to her, Eliezer says to her, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. She answers, yes, my lord. I have a drink. And she quickly lowered the jug from her shoulder, and she gave him a drink. And then when she had given him a drink, she said, I'll water your camels too until they've had enough water to drink. I'll water your camels too. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water. And fill and water her camels. Now here you go. This is going above and beyond. You know, you may be asked to serve and just do this. You know, people come into the jobs these days and, you know, they're told, hey, just do this, and you do that, and you go, got what they're looking for is to go above and beyond what you're asked to do. Serve above and beyond. I mean, this woman just said, hey, I'm going to water your camels too. His prayer is answered. <laughs> I mean, God does answer prayers. Amen. Amen. So let's say for argument's sake that the camels are going to drink the minimum, each of them, in 20 gallons of water a piece. That's 200 gallons of water. Let's say Rebecca's jug holds five gallons, which I'm sure is very, very heavy. It's probably more like two and a half. This would mean she's carrying 200 gallons of water to the camps. Let's figure each trip takes five minutes. to Go, fill the jug, come back, dump it in the trough, go back again. That's three and a half hours of her time just to water the camps. It's already the evening hour. It's already the cool of the day. That's why they're at the well. She goes that extra mile. She puts in that extra service to the glory of God. She had a true servant's heart and she went the extra mile. Matthew 5, after Jesus gets done with what's probably the greatest sermon ever preached and ever written, the Sermon on the Mount, He says in verse 41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. What's he talking about? Well, in that culture and in that time of day, in that season that's going on in Israel, a Roman soldier could ask you to carry his gear. And you are obligated to carry it one mile. You must carry it one mile. And most people would carry that gear a mile and go, there it is, miles up. There's your gear. But what Jesus is saying, hey, carry it two miles. Carry it two miles because you're serving me. Carry it two miles. This is what God's looking for. The employer tells you to sweep up the kitchen sweep up the kitchen in the lobby just do something extra all the time god is looking for those people that are willing to go the extra mile this is the true servant's heart this is what he's looking for rebecca was that kind of person she had that kind of servant's heart she was willing to go the extra mile but understand, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. You have to serve and walk that first mile before you can walk the second. Some of you haven't taken those kind of steps yet. You're not ready to do that, but when you are, I mean, we hear all kinds of excuses. I mean, I can go back through the years and give you every excuse people have made Asking them to do this and do that. And you all know what they are, you're all gonna hear them. Some of you have all heard, them. some of you have said them. Well, we always make up excuses. The biggest one is, oh, I'm not qualified to do that. But remember, God doesn't call the qualify. He qualifies the call. Amen. He qualifies You just have to learn to be obedient. You have to learn to humble yourself and serve God. And God will equip you with whatever you need to do in order to do that. Going the extra mile and serving will always create extra mile blessings. The more you serve, the more you're going to get blessed. I mean, there were probably plenty of women that day at the well. I'm sure there were all kinds coming up. Maybe some of them, you know, he could have walked up to them and said, give me a drink. They say, get your own. (laughs) What are my candles? Not on your life. I mean, you get all kinds of attitudes. You see it today in the culture. You see what's going on. You see how people act. Nobody wants to do anything more than what they have to. Everybody wants to get by with the bare minimum. God's saying, "Go to the max. Take the max. Go after it." I mean, it would have been a real shame if Rebecca had only done what was customary and given Elie Iser just a drink and said to him, I'm sorry, I don't do camels. Think about that. But aren't you really thankful? Aren't you really thankful that Rebecca didn't say that? She didn't say, sorry, God, I don't do camels. When you think about it, aren't you thankful that Noah didn't say, sorry, God, I don't do works? Moses what if Moses had said I'm sorry God I don't do red seeds I don't part them I'll march these people out but I'm not parting any red seed. what if Nehemiah had said I don't do walls Jerusalem wouldn't have been saved the enemies would have come in and pillaged the whole place if said, I don't do walls." What if David had said, I don't do giants? And you find me somebody small to overtake. But I don't do giants. And the Israelites would still be oppressed by the Philistines. What if Mary had said, I don't do virgin births? I don't do virgin verse, God. You wouldn't have a savior. We wouldn't even be here talking about this. There'd be no savior. What if Paul had said, "God, I don't do letters. I don't write letters." The majority of the New Testament wouldn't even be here. We'd have nothing to discuss. We'd have nothing to see. The main thing, what if Jesus had said to God, I don't do crosses. I'm sorry, God, I don't do crosses. You'd be still living and dying in your sin. But instead, you're washed clean by the blood. Because somebody went the extra mile. Somebody went out and did it. Moses went out and he parted the Red Sea. And the Israelites were delivered. Nehemiah built the walls. And the enemies of Israel couldn't come in. They were safe. David defeated Goliath. The Philistine oppression ended. Mary said, yes, God. I'll do the virgin birth. Not even knowing what it is. We have a Savior born of man, born of woman, filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I'll write these letters so they have scriptures, so they have teachings. He didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus went on that cross, so we're saved, we're sanctified, and we are washed in the blood. And we are full of the Holy Ghost. So he went the extra mile. You have no idea what's coming when God asked you to go that extra mile and put in that work. Rebecca had no idea. She was just a humble girl that went out and did what was on her heart. Now remember, Ellie left with 10 camels, packed with expensive gifts. I mean, we're not talking to your knockoffs here. These were the real thing he brought. She didn't realize she was gonna get that rewarded. She didn't know these things were going to be coming her way. She had no idea that she was going to get blessed the way she got blessed. But she went out, she humbled herself, and she served. She has a servant's heart. She has a spirit of a servant. She was humble. She was obedient. And she married a very Wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man who had covenant with God. Having covenant with God is the most important thing you can have in your life. Amen. I mean, you never know what kind of blessing is going to be on the other side. You never know what God has in store for you. He might say, hey, I'm going to ask so-and-so to do this. And if they do, that thing that they've been praying for for the last two years, I'm going to give it to them. And Not only am I going to give them that, but I'm going to give them so much more. But you don't know that. Right. <clears throat> you never know, people. We're going that extra mile. Is going to be getting back to Colossians, and paul work at everything you do with all your heart work as if you're working for the lord not for human masters i mean just picture you're working for the lord a human master can fire you we're not paid god can kick you out of heaven in the room You know, I'm just saying punishment, you know. A little tough. And since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, I mean your reward is in heaven. But he still pours out blessings here on earth to his people, those that are humble, those that are obedient. And it's not always easy being obedient. Trust me, I know that. I deal with it. It is difficult. It is hard. Because we've learned that we want it our way. We all think we're Burger King. <laughs> I'll have it my way, please. And we all think we have microwaves. And I'll have it now. That's not the case. Develop <laughs> that hard. Go the extra mile. Let God touch every avenue of your life. And God will bless every avenue of your life. Remember what it says in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all. Exceedingly above all. Exceedingly can bless you exceedingly above everything Amen? amen let's stand oh lord we thank you this morning for who you are we thank you lord